What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy here on a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. We're going to talk about Rise of the Planet of the Apes today, guys. The beautiful reboot, 2011's masterpiece ape film. We can't wait to talk about it with you guys. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. I don't care how many times I hear this song, it never gets old. No. I, I, every time it comes on in the car, it's like, yes! Yes! Here we go. I am Optimus Prime. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that was last week. That was last week's episode. <laughs> ah, shit. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome, welcome to Ape... Apeshin... Nope. Nope. That didn't work. <laughs> I like that you called it an ape show in the intro. An ape movie? Ape movie. <laughs> That's a favorite genre of mine. We are movies. professionals at what we do. <laughs> It's a sign of when you're trying to come up with what you're going to say on the spot and you lose your train of thought. So you say something like an ape movie. Ape movie. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. It's Wednesday. We're talking Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Rupert Wyatt's 2011 reboot of the franchise. A very underrated film. A film I'm very excited to talk about today. Yeah, yeah. Incredibly underrated and overlooked and forgotten about. I feel like this whole franchise has kind of gotten that effect. It's interesting, though, because everyone's referring to the third movie as a masterpiece, and it's like, do you even remember the first two, person? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I, I think uh, it makes it exciting. I love I love when things like this happen with movies like this, because it's gonna. it <clears> means <throat> that people's willingness to treat this trilogy seriously, it's like Edge of Tomorrow. It's like the same sort of thing. People missed it. So now yeah. it's like when you talk about that movie, it's a modern classic, whereas like when people see something in the beginning and it's like a hugely hyped movie, people have a much, much larger unwillingness to uh, give it the credit it's due. For sure, and this was, this was a massively hyped film. I mean, this is one of the most, I mean, the original Planet of the Apes is one of the most cult classic films ever. Ever. Yeah. So, um, but we are pre-taping today. Yes, Wanted to get guys, that out there. We're coming to you not actually from a Wednesday afternoon. We're mm-hmm. coming to you from a Thursday afternoon, six days earlier, which is Liars. why... Because now mm-hmm. we have a, a special Genesis Lab Tech on the couch. We Say do. hello to Marina. She's hello. Back. She's back. But I survived in Genesis, yeah. and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, <laughs> but she's uh, she's not in the live chat, guys, because, uh, well, there is no live chat. There is no live chat. She survived the simian flu, but we will try to be in the live chat when this video goes up. Yes, um, I promise I will be there next yeah. Wednesday. So if you guys want to work on like some you know time travel stuff, she'll be like sitting there pretending she's in the live chat, but then being on the live chat somewhere else. Just to blow your mind. Yeah, <laughs> crazy stuff. So, uh, guys, we're on the Popcorn Talk Network coming to you live, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking movies, pop culture, and bucketfuls of pop culture uh, if you want to follow along with the conversation you can find either one of us you can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter and Instagram you can find our podcast at AMA Podcast and you can find our Facebook group yeah uh, there's a Facebook fan page uh, the AMA Podcast fan page there's like 10 people joining that a day almost it very feels cool like. yeah. <clears throat> it's awesome uh, a lot of interaction you guys can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter and you will see me interacting on that fan page a lot and if you want to follow along with the exploits of our official Genesis Lab Tech uh, Marina Verano where can they find you Instagram and Twitter at Marina underscore Verano. Excellent. I think she got more followers yesterday than I've gotten in two years. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. Seems about right. <laughs> Seems. Uh, Optimus Prime hooked it up. He did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did a good job. So, uh, yeah, guys, let's let's talk about this movie. We talk about action movies here, and this is definitely an action movie. Yep. Uh, they have four basic rules they adhere to, aside from being made after 1981. Rule number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Now, what's interesting about this is uh, it doesn't seem at the beginning like... The hero is the hero. Yeah. He seems like a support character, but in the end, the kind of generic straight white male character ends up as just exactly that. And yeah, the, totally. the monkey, the ape, is 100% the hero. Yeah, and so does that make the villain the Brian Cox's son? 
Uh, I think like the villain in this movie is it's mankind. Humanity. Yeah, yeah, mankind. Because yeah. in a lot of ways, like James Franco is a hero, but he just is a villain by default. Totally, and yeah. like they're the ones that created the simian flu, and they talk about that extensively in the second movie. That it's it wasn't apes, right? It's not fair to call it the simian flu. You should call it the human flu. I mean, in the know? end, if you like the the one uh, part of this movie that when you're watching, I think people skip over is that three quarters of the way into the movie, this character that you're supposed to feel sympathetic towards, uh, James Franco, goes back to experimenting on apes again. So yeah. he goes and does this like evil thing, even though it's for the purpose of saving, you know, saving humans. Like, but he, it's not. It's it's really just a selfish conquest. It's not even to save humans. It's just to save his dad. That's yeah. why he's so actively doing it in the moment, which makes this movie very interesting. And, yeah. and it, you, if you get caught up in the black and white of it, you miss the fact that like he really isn't the hero. He's, no, he's almost kind of the villain. He's, he's the a, one that started everything. He's part of yeah. He's part of humanity. So rule number two: the hero and the <laughs> villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, apes, dinosaurs, robots, what have you, in the room. Um, okay, well, Caesar's definitely the smartest in the room. 100%. Oh, 100%. But who's the villain who is equally smart? Nobody. <clears throat> yeah, see, that's the, that's the problem, is, is there isn't really a true a true villain other than mankind. Yeah, Brian Cox doesn't know what's going on enough to be the villain. But I think he can't he say that mankind is the instead. villain and say, yeah, right, and say <laughs> that, that it is the smartest person in the room, because or it tries to be. Right. It tries to contain him. It's trying to evolve past him. It's trying to, you know, like... We are the villain. Yeah, right. 100%. Uh, rule number three, they mo- the movie is driven by a police, po- military, political, or mercenary figure. Yeah, in no way, shape, or form does that apply to this one. Uh, no, it does not. Yeah, there's nobody we can't even... I mean, they work for the government. They're an ape militia. But he's an ape. Yeah. If he's the hero, so no. Yeah. It don't work. Ape militia? Okay. Band name? Ape <laughs> militia? Rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. I feel like... Something explodes. On the, the helicopter? Oh, the helicopter. Yeah, yeah, helicopter. yeah There we go. Yeah, yep. there's a helicopter explosion. We watched it, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the, that's the rules, guys. As you know, we have been a little more loose with the rules, and you know, in these in these recent uh, months, mm-hmm. we've decided to kind of uh, expand a little bit outside of our comfort zone. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that it's actually improved the show. Yeah, so coming up on the show today, guys, we are going to be talking about everything to do with this film, as well as a couple different segments. One, sequels that surpass the original, or at least that the common opinion is that those sequels did surpass. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Zeros to Heroes, some of our favorite characters who start in the gutter, uh, or start as sissies, and become awesome, commanding, leading, just like, yes, characters. Uh, And then finally, we're going to be talking a little bit about the AMA question later, submitted this week by Jacob Leif. uh, Leif. Life, life. It's L I E F, Jacob. I love you. Thank you. Uh, I just don't know how to say it. And uh, you asked us a great question, which inspired yeah, another conversation we're going to get to later. Uh, but right now, we are going to watch the trailer for the film and get into our thesis statements. Cool. That was good. That was pretty good. I'd watch this show. Would you? If I was listening to you right now. Are you just saying that to be nice? Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that was really good. Uh, I liked it. Uh, Steven, you got the trailer going, brother? Nope. Steve. He left. He left. <laughs> He, uh, clearly, We're actually just here on our own. Yes, we, we, we don't have an engineer. He was exposed to the ALZ one twelve and uh, <laughs> gone. He, the simian flu has. Excuse me for a second, Steve. There he is. Yeah, yeah it's all right, good. man. We're gonna show this trailer. Boom. I don't remember this trailer. I think it was sweet though. We're talking about huge potential for millions of people. James Franco has such a bitchy voice sometimes, but I love him. We call it the cure. I want you to start testing on chimps ASAP. We test one subject. I want to make sure it's stable. I just 
designed the 112 for repair. But Caesar's gone way beyond that. You mean increased intelligence? The skills that far exceed that of a human. When he um, part. when he draws the wrong, when he draws bro. the outline of the window on his cell. Sweet. That's Caesar? a yeah. Sad moment. Yeah. In the second movie, um, it kind of becomes like his calling sign. Oh, the symbol. Which is cool. Yeah. Uh, sweet. I mean, I, I know that I've seen that movie. Yeah. I've only seen it the once to too. It. Yeah. I just don't remember it. Trying to control things that are not meant to be controlled. Brian Cox. There's Mila Kunis. Thank you. <laughs> Mila Kunis' accent is weird. Yeah. <laughs> she did some great makeup on this film. Nope. Nope. <laughs> not Mila Kunis. I still think it's Mila Kunis. They are nope. contaminated. <laughs> Put those apes down. That moment of the, all the apes waking no up is yeah. really cool because they kind of look around and they see the world for the first time with the green flex. With the green eye. Yeah, it's just really yeah. cool. They don't like do animalistic stuff. They wake up like humans do. Totally. That's really sweet. It's so good. I mean, I guess Oriello is the bad guy. He's the villain, but... Running around the streets, so and they sweet. throw the manhole cover, and yeah, the spears, and the, and the, uh, the parking meter, yeah. yeah, just like sheer power over everything. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, it was a great trailer. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's what you expect out of these now. Yes. <clears throat> uh, all right. Well, we are going to get into the next section of the show, guys. This is a section called Thesis Statement. It's your bold thought. Your big, great thought about the film should be almost rooted in hyperbole. Something strong. The greatest this, the best this, the first this, the only this. Should never be, this is my favorite something or other. Uh, it should be much more definitive than that. This is what you want to talk about at a party when the movie comes up. Yep. So uh, we're going to get straight into it. Drew, would you like to start with your thesis statement? Yeah, I'm having a hard time because I have a couple that I that I really like, and then the one that I think I'm sticking with, I'm kind of having a hard time verbalizing it. So the first one I want to talk about is that like this franchise has subtly used its casting almost more effectively than any other franchise or series has. Yeah. And the reason I say that is... If you look at when these movies are made and who's in them, they capitalize on people that are on top of the world at the time. So you look at when this movie came out. 127 Hours just happened, Slumdog just happened, and Lithgow was just the Trinity Killer on Dexter. They're right. literally three of the biggest actors in the world. You just don't really know it. Yeah, right. But they are. Yeah, they're like they're all like buzz actors. Totally. Big it's buzz the same actors. with the second movie. Who do you get in there? You get Gary Oldman, who's been playing the Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, right. In the biggest franchise of all time. You've got Jason Clark, who has just saturated himself in the Terminator franchise, in this franchise, and in Zero Dark Thirty. In Zero Dark Thirty, and then uh, and the female in there is different because she's she's always she's always around. I can't remember her name. She's I in The Waitress. Um, Carrie Russell? Carrie Russell. Okay. Yeah, Carrie Russell always pops in and out. She never, like, disappears or, or like, totally. But And then now in the third movie, yeah. they've got Woody. Yeah. And Woody's on top of the world Woody's again. In everything. Yeah. He's in every franchise. So part of... One of the things I want to say is, because one of our questions was that, like, was James Franco... Um, he almost felt out of place from Eddie Green. And I get what you're saying... Yeah, but not at all. They needed so they needed other reasons for people to come watch this movie other than just Planet of the Apes. Yeah, so that's one of my thesis statements. The other one is that this is the first time in the whole franchise series reboots remakes that you're rooting for the apes 100. percent Yeah, 100. percent And the more we talk about, it, the more I think about it, the more I think that that's true. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't remember the first one very very well, but I definitely remember the Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah, and 
yeah, you're totally rooting for the apes yeah. in this movie, 100%. Right, yeah, you were, you were totally rooting for the humans in the other ones. They're much mm-hmm. simpler movies, I think, in that sense. Yeah. Uh, Marina, did you find yourself rooting for the apes? I did. Yeah? I did. In the beginning, I I love Caesar, and I love the relationship that he had with Will, so I, I wanted him to kind of stay put. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was, like, shocked when it kind of switched roles, and I'm like, you know what? No, he needs to break free. They're not supposed to be there. But that was actually my thesis statement. I was just going to say, through the dramatic strides... Will goes to you know save his father. Yeah, he doesn't realize how selfish it is, mm. and you kind of find yourself in between that battle. Like this guy's not living his life because he's not himself anymore, the father. Yeah. yeah. But then again, he's just not living his either. But I found myself like totally torn throughout the whole movie, like till the end. But then in, obviously the last scene, which was crazy on the um, San Francisco Bridge, I was right. like. Yes, Caesar. <laughs> yeah. That's super interesting because <clears throat> when you were talking earlier, when you were um, introducing our, our teasing our segments, uh, you were talking about like the cure and the disease and yeah, like, right. trying to cure, his Alzheimer, cure all, Alzheimer's, they create the simian flu. It's so interesting because in these movies, there's all these sociolo- sociological struggles that go on. In the second movie, the only reason that they become enemies again is because the humans need power. Whereas, so they need the dam to create electricity, whereas right. the apes can live in darkness. Right. So it's this thing of this. The humans are always the villains because they're the ones that need, and so they destroy. Whereas the apes can just be left alone and they right. can exist. So I thought that was really interesting when you were talking about that and with your thesis to where it's just like, yeah, it's just cause and effect. Right. We're we're the problem. Right. I think I'm going to go much simpler. Uh, and and thinking about this, I've been sitting here for the whole intro of the show, just trying to make sure that I'm not missing something. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that this. This film starts the most underrated reboot trilogy ever made. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think that there's another one that is on the same level because even if you even if you go back and you look at the budget for this, funny film, that you drew that logo and I drew the logo too. We yeah. both drew the window on we our drew paper. The window logo. <laughs> I mean, this movie was made for ninety three million dollars. This was mm-hmm. made in twenty eleven, and it's that's nothing compared. Yeah. Transformers cost 150 or 125 million? 150 million dollars. Yeah. Uh, four years prior. Yeah, four years prior. And like, this is a movie about like a giant war of CGI apes with a massive, massive cult following behind it. Yeah. And so they really, they really skimped on the budget, which is what this movie really was when it came out. I, I definitely recall uh, knowing that there was a new Planet of the Apes movie coming out and just sort of being like, okay like yeah. this wasn't really in my generation i remember the mark Wahlberg one sucked yeah. and and like these classic movies are just sort of like they're from like 45 years ago so mm-hmm. like my you know, my dad watched them i've seen the 1967 one i don't think i've seen any of the sequels they're spoofed a lot but like it wasn't relevant it was not yeah. current. yeah that mark Wahlberg one was was tough because it wasn't actually like him and bonham carter and clark duncan and tim roth didn't really do a bad job it was just no. the story was so discombobulated and it was so tim burton just trying to be tim burton it was just a nightmare i guess the more appropriate thing to say is that the tim burton one sucked. yeah it would just say mark Wahlberg because he's the star yeah yeah i mean also but that's also the part of Wahlberg's career when he was like the world was trying to figure out if they were going to take him seriously and what he was yeah. doing he, he almost was, got caught in the icarus effect yeah it was right before he like dipped down and then swung back and of course now if i was gonna make the list of probably the five biggest male stars in the world I think he's Wahlberg's definitely clearly one of, one of the five biggest stars in the world absolutely the, like his last few years have been insane insane and he makes good movies too they're not just you know like he's not just there a lot he's well, making yeah, good you, films the, you guys know how we feel about Lone Survivor and, mm-hmm. and Deepwater Horizon and yep. Patriots all those movies we're big fans of those so uh, yeah big fan of big fan of Mark and Mark or uh, the man formerly known as Mark and Mark <laughs> uh, so, so uh, moving on to our next piece of the show we're going to get into a conversation about sequels that surpass the original yeah and I can I intro this because yeah, I wanted to talk about it because our fans 
when when you and I decided what we we're going to do for the next month and a half of shows, our fans were immediately up in arms about how they think we should do Dawn instead of Rise, and they think that Rise, <clears throat> I mean, excuse me, Dawn is more appropriate for our show. You guys were right. You were one hundred percent right. The thing is, is that we believe that it's more important to tell the origin story of such a great character if the third movie is as fantastic as it is, which I really hope it is. We need to know where Caesar came from. We need to know about Lithgow. We need to know about Franco. Like, Marina, you've never seen any of them, right? right. Until last night. In order to appreciate it, I don't think I would have been able to just jump into a segment that was on Dawn or the one that's going to come out. I need totally. To, you need to know where it starts because then you grow attached to it and you're just more invested. Absolutely. And one of the biggest things about Dawn and why you love it so much is because you are on Caesar's side. Right. You know, um... So, I agree. I think that Dawn's a better movie. I think it's a little more entertaining. I think it fits our show more appropriately. But just like I say about Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, and I'm going to use that as a segue into this, I think that, however, The Dark Knight is a better film. I think that Batman Begins is more important. And I say the exact same thing about Dawn and Rise. I think Dawn is better and more entertaining. I think Rise is much more important. Yeah, well, look, I mean, if we were going to cover the film on here that felt like it was just the the action-packed best film... I think we would have covered Dawn just yeah, straight up. Absolutely. But I think the difference is that we we talk about so frequently on this show, it's the scenes between the action that, that's what the movies are about for us. Yeah. Uh, and it's really those just like that's where the, the I mean you, you guys know, you've watched, you've listened. The fist pump moment is about that connection to the movie. Yeah. A fist pump moment is supposed to make you feel just like, Yes, I love this. It's hard to have as satisfying a fist pump moment for Dawn if you're not talking rise first. In yeah. the same way, like you know, and, and I think the big difference is that while Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is considered to be a very good movie, the reason we were able to do The Dark Knight on the show and not Batman Begins is because Dark Knight is considered to be one of the, like, 20 or 30 greatest films made in the history of mankind. Ever, yeah, So it's exactly. like, we can do that. We can we can skip a movie, and because Dark Knight is so much more important of a movie in the context of the world, mm-hmm. but in the context of that franchise... And we also all know who Bruce Wayne is. We've that story's all, been we told so many times. We all know how his parents died and the Pearl Necklace and, you right. know, all that stuff. So it's, it's different, um... Because yeah, this is not a, this is not a remake. It's a reboot. It's a reboot. Officially yes. a reboot. This is not the story that we know from back in the day. Yeah, and, and what would, now it sounds like this might end up being a prequel, a tr- right. pre- trilogy prequel. If I, I, we don't know, it's not a spoiler because we just heard that maybe in war. Yeah, because I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Um, so other sequels that we had on this list, I think um, there's some good ones on here. So uh, one of the ones I another one I came up with was T1 and T2. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, you go back and you, you look and it's like, yeah, Terminator 1 changed the game. It was very mm-hmm. important. But Terminator 2 became this touchstone film for movie fans. It's, Absolutely. We, we believe it's the greatest action film of all time on this show. But if you hadn't seen T1, you wouldn't understand why in T2 Linda Hamilton freaks out the way she does. Right. You it's, know, you need those things to all make the it important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. Uh, I think going again with you know with Cameron I mean Aliens and Alien oh absolutely same deal same kind of thing Uh, I think you can do the same thing with the early comic book movies so both Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 and X-Men 1 and And X-Men 2 yeah yeah I think everybody agrees Spider-Man 2 is a better movie and X2 is considered to be the crown jewel of the Marvel Universe for a while there Mm -hmm. before they started making really good movies (laughs) they started making real movies um yeah, like Captain America and Winter Soldier is really interesting because yeah. everyone, I'd say like 100% of people I've talked to think Winter Soldier is a better excuse movie. Excuse me, a better movie, yeah. Um, and then one, a couple more I wanted to throw in there just because I like to stir the pot. Uh, Empire over New Hope. Yeah, I mean, everybody, everyone again. thinks that. You know, yep. No, I am your father. And yeah. then, uh, of course, Godfather 1 and Godfather 2. I just like that because, you know, I know you love those films. They're the number two and three ranked movies of all time on IMDb. 
<laughs> the sh- the behind the Shawshank Redemption. I yeah, behind the Shawshank. <laughs> uh, you can't Sounds argue. Funny. What's that? I love that movie. Oh, yeah. it's incredible. You can't really argue either one or the other. It just becomes preference. But I did right. love that Scorsese was like, well, Godfather 2 because I had more money. You mean Coppola? Uh, no, Scorsese said that. Oh, oh. not He didn't make it. I'm oh. just saying Scorsese says he likes Godfather 2 more because they he, he had more money. That's the actual quote. Huh. I don't know why that's the quote. Oh, he may be referring to Coppola because yeah. he had more money yeah, yeah, to make yeah. it? Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, not sorry. I understand how that's yeah, yeah. very confusing because Coppola had more money. Got exactly. It. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've gone on the record for a long time saying that I think I like Godfather 2 more, though honestly, recently when I've gone back to watch them, You've I changed actually changed bit, right? my opinion. Yeah. Godfather 1 is like... I was talking to Drew McQueenie, uh, who writes for... He does the 80s all over podcast mm-hmm. and I can't think of who he writes for, but he's on Schmodown and we were talking about uh, just because he's a bit older and, and how the older generation of films, each decade it moves a little bit and these movies that are considered to be the cornerstone of American film, the further you get from those movies, no matter how important they seem, they just start to fade. When we were growing up, when we were in our teens, mm-hmm. movies from the 60s and 70s were like the fringes for us they were like oh, yeah, they 60s were. and 70s movies we were aware of all the classics we knew of all of them mm-hmm. but if you got back to the 40s and 50s there was like maybe 10 movies we had heard of yeah. Dumbo yeah now we're almost 30 and movies from the 60s and 70s if you talk to somebody who is 15, 16 years old 20 even yeah the movies from the, the 60s and 70s they're not the like pillars anymore it, you start to get into the movies from the 80s and 90s are the pillars exactly. they're yep. the ones that they're the ones that everybody knows about because you start to talk about The Graduate or Midnight Cowboy or, uh, or Risky or, Business even like, yeah I love that movie growing up yeah and it just it, you, the further away you get so what he was saying was that he was really hoping that the Godfather films will stand the test of time and mm-hmm. really stay where they are and I I hope they will uh but Godfather 1 is truly a perfect movie. Yeah. It's actually immaculate. You watch it still today, and it's like everything about it, the relationships between the family, it's the development of Michael as a character, all of it is so perfect. And, you know, another one that I want to throw in there, too, is Lord of the Rings and Fel- or Fellowship and Two Towers. Because yeah. Not because I think Two Towers is better. I did for a really long time Me too, yeah. like Two Towers more. But it's the same thing. As, as time goes on and the decades pass, you go back and you watch... It's perfect. Fellowship is actually perfect, whereas Two Towers isn't. Yeah. Fellowship is, tells this perfect narrative. The exposition is great. They all come together. Like, yeah. So I understand what you're saying. As, as time changes, there's things that you really go back and appreciate more right. about the original. Like, like we should we should do this because I think this makes sense. Marina, you're like a few years younger than we are. So, like movies that growing up were like considered really classics, like like essential viewing. Just like rattle off a few that like in your household were like the movies that you had to watch. <sighs> Well, I used to watch Godfather, and that was going right. up. Yeah. Yeah. Being Italian, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, that makes sense. But um, a few that I had to watch. One of the biggest franchises I remember, do you remember Cheaper by the Dozen? Yeah. yeah. That was <laughs> totally. huge. I don't know if it was just my community. Yeah. Like, right. Every single one of them we watched, and it was like the biggest thing. Right. Um, That's so funny. My nieces and nephews are around her age, yeah. and they love those movies. Cheaper by the yeah, Dozen. Yeah, it was huge. I think it's because it had Hilary Duff, Taylor Lautner, but right, when he blew right. up on Top Twilight, of, yeah, right. you were in love, like, as a cr- you had a crush, you know sure. what I mean, Alison Stoner, they all ended up, yeah. you know, doing very well, dance careers, whatever they had to do. Yeah, I'm already, I'm already disconnected. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Completely. Yeah. What about, so what about stuff, not necessarily that you had to watch, but that, like, when you would hear people talk about it, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's a classic movie, maybe I'll see it someday, kind of a thing. Like, would people reference The Matrix, or would they reference, like, Terminator? 
You know what I mean? Terminator. Or like The Incredibles. Yeah, right. That's interesting. Yeah, for sure. I mean, So, so that's, the, the thing is that the true, true classics are still standing the test of time, but you see that she misses everything else that isn't in right. between. I in feel the like there's a 90s. huge gap. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Like Massive. she's saying like, oh yeah, Terminator and Godfather. Yeah. It's like those are some of the greatest of all some time, of, but right. what about like The Graduate? What about yeah, what right. about risky business? What about risky business? Okay, pretty that's, pink. Yep. That's sixteen candles. Breakfast club. Breakfast. That's club. all eighties though. Yeah, right. So that's like that's the, literally the equivalent of the sixties and seventies like for us. us. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, what that's I'm so crazy to me. Yeah. Um, it's a trip. Anchorman, maybe. Yeah, that yeah. One? See, so then I was in I was in high school, I think. Right, I'm Anchorman. To, yeah, or middle yeah, school. Yeah, was it two thousand four? I think. So yeah, I think it's so a sophomore. Right. Yeah, um, such a trip. Yeah. All right. So anyway, guys, that's going to cover uh, that's going to cover sequels that surpass for us. We're going to get into the next part of our show, which is a sweet one for this movie yes. because this is fist pump moment. It's that moment you're watching the movie, something happens, you kind of look around, you're like, "Are you seeing this right now? Are you seeing what's happening?" I'm so excited to get to watch the rest of this movie. Yes, you there's two hours left. Oh yeah. my god, I can't wait. It can be anything. It can be an explosion, a look from one character to another, the music, the title sequence, whatever you want it to be. A phone call between an MTA officer and his wife. Yeah, milk. I can get a half gallon. Get a half gallon. I can't get a whole gallon. I can't get a whole gallon. Um, you tell yourself when you get home. <laughs> so, guys, this is fist pump moment, and uh, there's a lot in this movie. For, there are so many. I would say my fist pump moment in this movie, though, pretty clearly, because I because I love Caesar's rise to prominence, yeah. and I love how smart he is. So I love when he's I love when he like he's struggling in the prison, and he and he's like drawing the picture on the wall, and he's so sad, and he has the moment of realization that like. No, I'm gonna get out of here. Yeah, like I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what I have to because, like, because fuck humanity. Yeah, because fuck these people. I'm gonna get out of this place. I'm the smartest thing in this whole building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I will outsmart each and every. Yes. Yeah. He he gets like he gets like his face becomes angry, and I. That's the thing is you see it is after the first time he gets his ass kicked in there and he goes back to his cell and he yeah. realizes it, his face changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool. And it becomes so rugged, the hair patches, yeah. mm-hmm. and you like, your heart breaks, but you know he's like, yeah. growing as, I would say an individual as No, it's ape. true. It's but, absolutely. You know, yeah. So my fist pump moment is when he sneaks out, and he goes, and he, uh, oh, and he grabs, uh, what's he, his name, Rocket? Uh, well, he So he lets the giant, the gigantic dude out Buck. of the cage, who yeah. can't, who never gets out, and then he lures out the bully, and he whacks him with the gas can, or like the metal can or whatever, and the guy like gets up like he's gonna fight him, and yeah, he looks like, over. What are you doing? And, and then he sees like, the big guy, and Caesar just stares at him, and he's like, I got muscle now, son. Yeah. It's like, you get off, he's like, yeah, and he just the like, hand. Yeah. and he doesn't even think about it. And I love that, because the way Caesar stands over him and just looks at him. So stoic. It's fucking prison, is what this it, movie it is. It is exactly prison. Yeah. It's 100%. You know, and it's like, he, uh, he did. He got the biggest badass dude yeah. on his side. Right. Exactly. He went in there and he just punched some dude straight in the face. Genius. Yeah, but he got, you know, he had to become someone's bitch first. He did. Bit. He did. He got his ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, so. Did you have a fist pump moment? <laughs> okay, I had a few. Mm-hmm. So one of them was um, my fist pump. So this one was more of like, it's like in the middle of my awe, emotional explosion. Oh, there it is. So emotional when they first. Explosion. Emotional explosion. They first find baby Caesar mm. and Franklin's like. Take it. Well, like I, I can't right now. Like I can't. I'm not in a place to take it. And he's like, "What do you want me to do? I can't take care of a monkey." And he's like, "You know what? Jacob's made me put down the other twelve. Be my guest. Like, yeah, you put right. all this work in, you know, to you try and it. find this. You do it. And then it just goes immediately to him walking through the door with a monkey. And without any words, he didn't answer. It just was right. an automatic flash to the house. And I was just like, "See, you yeah. did the right thing. Right. Let's see where this unfolds." You know. And then another one. That is a half awe moment. Right? Yeah. Like, because I was like. <laughs> No, don't leave him. And then I'm like, 
Hell yeah, you did the right thing. For those of you, for those of you curious what we're talking about, uh, last week on the show, <laughs> we introduced uh, Marina's explosion of emotion, the ah moment. They're like, ah, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, because every great action film should have that moment that brings you back to reality. They got to push the button. They got to tear the heartstrings for a second. They got to make you feel. They yeah. do. Yeah. So my other one was when um, Will says... I can't lose them both. I won't lose them both. And then it just cuts to another oh, scene. Can't lose his yeah. father and he can't lose Caesar. And yeah. he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to stop until I have both of them, you know? Yeah, I definitely yeah. connect to the father-son stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, really sad. Definitely gets me. Uh, and when, especially when Lithgow looks at him and he's just like, don't, don't do it to me again. What it, when, 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 when is When he's going to, he's going to inject him the second time yeah. with a stronger, with the stronger ALZ-112. After Caesar's already been in prison. Yeah. And, yeah. and he looks at him and he's just like, don't, just let me go. Right. Yeah, oh. so yeah, that is yeah. so sad. Pulling at my heartstrings. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it's because uh, he he sees what he what. It's a selfish. Of him. Do, yeah, he's yeah. he's doing it for himself. He's not doing it for the he's life doing it, of his He's doing it anymore. to keep his dad around. Yeah, right. it's not yeah. for his dad. Uh, whew, that's, that is very true. Um, my fist pump moment is actually it is with Lithgow. I, I think Lithgow is the best part of this movie. Really, I, I really do. I, I mean, actually, that's not true. I think Caesar's the best part of the movie. Yeah. But I think that goes without saying. I think Lithgow's the next best part of the film because he brings such a level level of empathy and humanity to the film. You like you said, it gets you. She's getting choked up right now talking about the yeah. movie. It's like it's because Lithgow is so great at playing a, like a weak old man that yeah. you love, you want to take care of, and he and he's so full of life when he when he comes back. You yeah. know. So my fist pump is when. Lithgow gets out of the house finally, and it's after the ALZ started to wear off, and his Alzheimer's back, and all he's talked about is wanting to drive. Yeah. And he gets in a black Mustang. Ugh, I know where you're going with this. And yeah. he crashes in the car in front of him, crashes in the car behind him, and he's got the asshole neighbor who comes out. And by the way, the neighbor's not even an asshole. The neighbor's just a guy that's trying to exist with, right. a, with a crazy-ass neighbor that <laughs> has a, a monkey that runs <laughs> yeah. around and yeah. like could kill his kids. Yeah. Like The neighbor's made to be a bad guy when it's really not his fault. So he comes out, and he's like, Get out of my car. What are you doing? Get right. out. You know, I'm calling the cops. Don't go anywhere. I'm calling the cops. And Lithgow's, you know, and, and, and Caesar's seeing it from the window and pointing at him. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit. What's going to happen? about to go down. Yeah. And see, all of a sudden, Caesar's there. He throws him on the ground. He starts beating on his chest. And the guy gets up and runs. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you don't even know where Caesar went. Yeah. And the guy runs to his front door. And it's, it's shot there. from behind. Like, you're still on the street. And the, the camera's on the street. And you see him just get kicked in the chest and he flies over his yeah, porch yeah you're just like oh shit yeah. you like yeah you don't want to get in a fight with an ape and yeah. then he runs again and then he jumps on him and bites off his finger yeah oh awesome yeah there's some there are some <laughs> great action fist pumps another so one awesome. another huge one for me is when uh, is when caesar's on the horse for the first time yeah and you see him pop up that's oh, like yeah that's pretty sick there's something super epic about monkeys riding horses holding guns yeah really <laughs> it looks yeah, awesome definitely not a, a common occasion. yeah that's true <laughs> i guess you don't see that often <laughs> yeah they've done a great job i mean I, I i honestly think that the action sequence in the last 40 minutes where very often action sequences in movies lose me. The action is the part of the movie that loses me. Mm-hmm. Did not lose me at all. No, it's, it's epic. It was a really, really sweet action sequence. You know what another one is? When the music that plays, I thought was a really smart oh, yeah. choice yeah. when he rolls the cans and it's like, dun, 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 oh, dun, 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 yeah. dun. Yep. You know? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden you just see the fumes go up and the monkeys are like sleeping. And Right. I thought that was just, it was that music. Was really so cool it was, But it was still like just music alone, no words. I was like, yeah. Finding myself like amped for so you're getting it. Camp. You get fist pump. Yeah. You understand. It's we, thing. we did have a secondary fist pump you and I, and it it's when Brian oh, Cox yeah. <laughs> walks on screen for the first time because I totally forgot, forgot he was in the that movie. He's in the movie. Yeah, I legitimately almost called you. Yeah, I almost called you. Like, dude, I forgot Cox was in this. He's amazing. I was sitting there. Uh, Never heard of him. I was sitting there with Rox, and uh, we were watching it, and she was like. 
Cox came on. I was like, I was like, oh, Cox. She's like, what? <laughs> She's like, why do you care? I was like, yes, Cox. <laughs> It's good. You should screw that when you hang out with your girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Moving on to star profiles. Um, this is what I'm talking about. This is super interesting. So you got James Franco, who did um, 127 hours in 2010. He was nominated for Best Actor. That also was nominated for Director and Picture. Is that right? The, the 27 hours. It's 100, 127 hours. <laughs> <laughs> this is the end. It's 100. It's 127. <laughs> so good and then he's uncredited in the Green Hornet yeah must have a small role I don't remember him in there because Rogan yeah yeah and then uh, Your Highness which was that god awful stoner comedy back in time I didn't see it um, but it's definitely one of the movies from like that whole run that group that is like I just never hear a word about it's it. The, it's supposed to be atrocious. Yeah, with Natalie Portman. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is a crazy case. Isn't it him, McBride, and Portman? Yeah. And you're just like, this seems perfect. And then uh, The Broken Tower, which I don't really know what that is. Um, and then he went on to, I mean, you know what he's doing now. Frank was Pineapple Express before this? It must have been. It must have yeah, been 2009. Like I was just about to say yeah, that. Yeah, it was 2009. Which is like one of my favorite comedies ever made. So good. It's another one we could do on here, actually. That's probably... It's true. Those are the three. There's like four or five now, I think, yeah, right? Like, yeah, that's yeah. Anytime people are talking about funny movies, that comes up. Yeah. Pineapple Express is without Pineapple a doubt Express. brilliantly funny yeah yeah, yeah. this is great. the end super good too and then yeah. on the other side I wanted to use Lithgow I wanted to use Frida Pinto um, but it's not fair because Andy Serkis needs to be talked about we haven't talked about him yet and he is the best part of this movie he yep. is what, what makes the guy the and his motion capture the way that he moves his body is just phenomenal I mean you've seen him in Gollum or as Gollum in Lord of the Rings you saw him in K- as King Kong in the old King Kong and yep. then him as Caesar in this is just perfection. Well, yeah, so. and just so people understand, because you can see the picture up here that we posted on the screen, it's not just a guy running around with sensors on his body and they animate the face. No. He's doing the face. Yeah. They're taking his expression and they're animating over his expression. Yeah. That's Andy Circus. He is doing, like, they're doing their best to take his physical mannerisms, the movement, the shape of his face, and they're turning him into a character. It's and acting. It's brilliant acting. It is brilliant acting, yes. That, that is such a good point because, you know, Tom Hardy talks a lot about uh, when he played Bane, he only got to act with his eyes. Yeah. So this is one of those things where when you watch this movie, the reason it's so good, the reason you empathize with the apes, and the reason you want them to win is because their expressions are so human right. that we empathize 100%. And totally. that could not be captured unless Andy Serkis did what he did. And this was the first time ever in a, uh, a movie where they took these motion capture graphics and animations and CGI and they took them outside of a specific sound studio. Right. It was on set, on location. Um, so even though uh, the movies that he was in aren't really... I don't really know anything about any of them. There was Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll in 2010. Rock and Roll. Yeah. Uh, Brighton Rock in 2010. Yeah. And then Burke and Hare in 2010 as well. No idea. He, I mean, he's most famously as Golem in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And yeah. he'll be most famously remembered for that trilogy. How, however... This is a pretty important trilogy, and this and he will get a lot of a lot of rep for this. I think we should definitely have a career defining role discussion when we do War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, about Andy Serkis. Yeah, yeah, I think I that'd be cool. Marina, um, Marina, were the Lord of the Rings movies were those oh, yeah. in your rear view already? At that, I mean, I, I was just thinking about how old I was when those movies came out in, in two thousand one. Yeah, it was twelve or thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. So that, I mean, that has to have been a little bit before. Yeah, no, they were definitely on the radar. People were talking about them. Did you okay. watch them? I saw one of them, and then I mm-hmm. never finished it, but. 
Guys, I'm sorry. Marina's not going to be able to make it on the show anymore. (laughs) Honestly, this is my new favorite, though. Like, I was so well-connected to this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it was just, like, the relationships or what it was. I mean, everything. I think everything makes up a movie. You can't just be in love with one. Um, Or you can, but the way, like, I was so into it, I literally, like, wanted it to keep going. Yeah. You will will love Don. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. See, that's what's so cool about bringing you onto the show is, like, we watched Transformers last week, and it's kind of a movie that you you gotta like, you gotta give it a little credit right. because it's ten years old and like you know Michael Bay and blah blah blah. But this is why I love doing this show is because people don't realize that Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a phenomenal movie for its acting, its writing, its screenplay, its direction. Like, there's all these yeah. things that people don't give credit to action movies for, but this movie is a brilliant film. Yeah, it's really good. Um, all right, guys, we're going to move into the next section of the show. And this relates back to a little bit of the fist pump moment I was talking mm-hmm. about where Caesar asserts his dominance. You see his rise to prominence. And this got us into a conversation about some of our favorite three zeros to heroes. Yes. So, guys, a conversation about characters that kind of start down in the dumps. They start from nothing, and they become something by the end of the film. Now, Andrew and I wanted to share three of our favorites where you see the journey of the character through the film. Uh, Emperor Cusco from the uh, Emperor's New Groove. Yeah, I like him. There's that song, Zero to Hero, just like that. Did you just uh, come up with a right now or had you been waiting to spring that one on me I don't know (laughs) I actually just thought of it now Uh, yeah I do have a few Um, do you want to hop in first yeah I'm going to jump in first with uh, Will Ferrell and the other guys he starts out as a mild mannered cop uh, so I I became an accountant for the New York Police Department literally the most boring job possible ever he is amazing in this movie this is yeah so Will Ferrell I've said this on the show before one of my favorite actors of all time Uh, huge fan Mm -hmm. so much so that when I made my list of the ten people in the world I wanted to interview the most in my career, he was one of the ten, and he's the only one that I've gotten yep. of my ten. Um, and this, I think, is the last great Will Ferrell movie. I think 2010 is when this came out, and I don't think he's made a great film since. Yeah, like a great Will Ferrell film, I don't think he's made one since either. I, I really like Everything Must Go. Yeah, I think me that's too. 2012. Yeah, a little different, though. But it's not a Will Ferrell yeah. movie. Uh, I, I completely agree. So I think... His his rise in this movie is great though. Just so, yeah, just in case you haven't seen it, guys, he starts out as a mild mannered cop. He used to be a pimp named Gator, and uh, <laughs> and Gator don't play that shit. Gator don't play that shit. And he comes out of his shell at the end because he has to solve the crime. And Mark Wahlberg brings him out of his shell, and he's just becomes the best. And this movie's just the best. It honestly, yeah. it seems real stupid when you watch it the first time. I yeah, I didn't like it the first time. It gets funnier every time. And I it's love it. One now. of my favorite comedies of all time. And Mark and him are doing Daddy's Home too. They just yeah. uh, with a gr- phenomenal casting choices of Mel Gibson and John Lithgow as their dads. I can't yep. wait. Then, yeah, can't wait for that. Uh, so I have an honorable mention for Forrest Gump because he's just like the greatest ever. Zero yep. turned to hero. Um, <laughs> but I did want to say Beatrix Kiddo. Yeah. Even though she is a trained assassin, like one of the greatest in the world, she couldn't walk at the yeah. beginning of the of the film. She has to go get trained. She has to go get trained. Uh, she has to remember how to train. She has to remember how to walk. Um, and she's just such a badass. She's great. I was I was blown away at how much more I liked that movie watching it on this show than I had a long time ago. That's true. Yeah, and she comes from nothing. She comes everything's gone in her whole life. So, uh, number two on my list is going to be Henry Hill in Goodfellas. Uh, you start with him as a kid. Oh yeah. You start with Ray Liotta as a child, and he's you know he's working at the cab stand and he's running around and he's helping out. And as he gets older, he gets more responsibility, and he mm-hmm. gets popped. He goes to he, you know he gets he goes on trial, and they all are like oh you popped your cherry. Oh right. And then yeah. he becomes an adult, and he's a good earner and. Uh, he has like a couple really good prove it moments. We were talking about this the the, the prove it moment for a lot of these characters when they have their like oh yeah of, they definitely have their moment their defining moment where you're like oh yeah that guy takes care of business. So I think Forrest Gump's is when he 
pulls everyone out and he wins the Medal of Honor. Yeah, that's heart. Yeah, that's a great right? one. I think for Henry Hill, uh, the prove it moment is probably either the long tracking shot when he goes into the restaurant. And you're like, okay, he's on top of the world. But I think probably actually the one is when Karen calls him crying because the guy, the guy they saw at the at the uh, tennis club or whatever, had like put his hands on her, and oh. he shows up, and she's like slumped down in the car, and she like points over, and he's walking towards the guy, and the guy doesn't know that he's like a mo- like a mobster, and he looks over, and he's like, oh, what is this? And he just takes the gun out, and just starts beating the shit out of his face. Oh. You remember that? Yeah. And then he just walks away, and he hands the gun to Karen, and it's covered in blood. That's like I think That's the prove it moment for Henry moment. Hill. Yeah. I think the so Beatrix Kiddo hers I think comes actually at the end of the movie because you already know she's a badass but one of my favorite parts is when Lucy Liu goes uh, silly little white girl thinks she can play with samurai swords oh yeah and then uh, after Beatrix lands the first blow on her when they're out fighting in the snow she goes uh, for doubting you earlier I apologize and it's just a sweet moment of, of that's what I love about like samurai movies and all that is they always honor right. who they're fighting right you know, and, and and like that moment of her giving her credit right before she dies is super cool. Yeah, respect. She doesn't for your get opponent. it. Yeah. Um, so my next one is William Wallace because he's one of the greatest. He came from nothing. Both of his his dad and his uh, brother got killed by the English. His wife got killed by the English. He his comes un- from his nothing. His uncle is Brian Cox. His uncle <laughs> is Brian Cox. Um, and yeah, I think his proven moment is definitely when he comes back into the town after Mirren got her throat slit, mm. and uh, he looks like he's going to surrender. Right. And he just kills everybody. everyone. It's Amazing, yes, yeah, and that's when everyone's McCulloch. Yeah. I don't even know what it means. Yeah, I've been saying it for twenty years. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That movie's great. It's great. I think it's aged a little bit, but it's great. it has aged a little bit for sure. Yeah, it's a little long. And then my third one's a movie I've talked about on here a lot of times, and this is going to be Catch Me If You Can because he's got one of the best. I do love Catch Me If You Can. Yeah, but he's got one of the best. Uh, like as you watch him learn and get better and do more and become more clever and accomplish more, his story is just better and better and better. And he has to actually study and pass the bar. Uh, you know, because that's like when, uh, when, uh, I love that. How did you pass? The yeah. Bar? I studied. I studied. Yeah. yeah, it's such a great line. It's great. That yeah. movie's really great. Uh, I think that movie is highly underrated. I've said it a lot of times. So. For sure. And I also think if you want to do it, Tom Hanks can also be the hero. And his proving point is when he lies to Leo and gets him to come outside. Yeah, right. That is so great. Yeah, totally. Uh, my very last one, if you guys know me or know the show at all, it's Maximus Decimus Meridius, Commander of the Armies of the North, General of Felix Legions, uh, Servant to the True Emperor, Marcus Aurelius, Father to a Murdered Son, Husband to a Murdered Wife. And he will have his vengeance in this life or the next. Yeah, that is his moment, and that is one of the greatest ever yeah. on film. It's a huge one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it's it's weird too because he doesn't come from nothing because he's the general, but then he gets knocked down yeah. to nothing. He be, yeah, the general who became a slave, the slave who defied an emperor. The, yeah. And the gladiator who whatever. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. it is. Yeah. Um, do you have any? You have one more, right? No, that was my three. That was your three. Okay. Well, cool. Will do you have anyone that pops in your head, Marina? Anyone that you loved growing up? It's okay if you don't. We sprung this on you last minute. Honestly, Will Ferrell. Yeah. Will Ferrell? <laughs> because yeah. you know how big Elf was? Yeah. That came at the right time in my generation where, right. I mean, I think I, I know adults that watch it. I'm sure you guys have seen mm, it. Oh, of course. I watch Elf. it maybe ten times each, you know, holiday season. So you mean like as an actor, Will Ferrell is truly a zero to hero? Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you guys haven't seen it, by the way, you showed this to me. His commencement speech that he gave at USC this year. Yes. It's amazing. Was so good. Yep. It was so good. It was very good. I was too busy yeah. throwing those darts to worry about what people were and thinking you know, about me. he always comes, he's always, you know, in comedies. So mm-hmm. to yeah. hear him give a speech, you know. Right. About empowering and, yeah. you know, moving forward, this is the next step yeah. of your life was. Because you know how sometimes you get so caught up in thinking they're always like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like they're in. I hate that because they're, they're not. They're, they're actual people. real people, and they they do have you know emotional things to say, and mm-hmm. 
So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. He's worked. He's worked uh, with DirecTV Audience Network, who I work for often, a lot of times. He's mm-hmm. come in and done commercials with us and things like that. So that's when I got to interview him was for a charity thing last year. Mm-hmm. And um, he, his sense of humor, he's just he's a very humble guy. Yeah. You know, he came in and he's he's a giant sports fan. So he like nerds out around all of the producers about the sports knowledge and the people they know. And like he was gonna meet some he was gonna meet some really famous athlete. I can't remember who it was. And my producer was telling me that he came in. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet such and such? Should I change my shirt? Um, and <laughs> do, I, I, do I look? I wish yeah. I wasn't wearing this shit shirt. Yeah, he's, <laughs> like, he's like, what do I say to him? You know, what should I say? And he's That's like, awesome. <laughs> you know, like. Everyone's got their idols, man. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, all right, so moving on to production development, guys. Uh, this movie was written by Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver, and it was uh, originally derived from Pierre Bowles, Bowles uh, yep. novel, Planet of the Apes. Um Jaffa and Silver are a couple. They're married. They've been, um, where's all this stuff that I wrote down about them? Oh, right here. Yeah, they're they're American screenwriters. They're also producers on this film. They're they're involved in some pretty big stuff now, actually. They're they're attached to write the script for Avatar 3. Yeah, did you see the reason? Did you see the uh, post in our uh, fan page today? Someone was talking about why Avatar 2 was taking so long, and it's because James Cameron is trying to make practical 3D so yeah. you don't have to wear glasses. Glassless wow. 3D, yeah. right? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And knowing James Cameron... Uh, he, can, he can probably do it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Hoffa and Silver, they uh, were nominated for a Saturn Award for Best Writing for this film. Um, they were co-writers and producers for Dawn as well and uh, for War of the Planet of the Apes. I think they're actually just producing that one. And they're also working on the script for uh, Mulan, live-action Mulan. Yes, yeah, yeah, and they also wrote the screen story for uh, Jurassic World and In the Heart of the Sea. Uh, Silver... Uh, She's the sister of Michael B. Silver, the actor, and granddaughter of the screenwriting legend Sidney Bachman. Um, yeah, and in 2015, she was named one of the most influential women in Hollywood, which Sweet. is cool because she's totally kicking ass right now. Uh, what is this? I didn't pull this. Which one, Rupert Wyatt or Stephen Bully? Oh, yeah. The first script that they ever uh, penned was in 2006, um, completely unrelated about a Genesis project about a killer or a, a chimpanzee that was genetically altered, engineered, that went crazy. Yeah. And that ended up kind of just being tied to this and turned in, it evolved into Rise of the Planet of the Apes. They basically wrote an ape movie. Yeah. And then uh, they <laughs> said, let's make your ape movie into a re- into a reboot of Planet of the Apes. Oh, so that's why you said ape movie. <laughs> Genius. Uh, and then Pierre Bull is actually really cool. There's some cool stuff about him. He was in basically what is the French Secret Service during World War II. Oh, crazy. Uh, in Singapore, and he was captured and tortured uh, in, in two years of in a labor camp. Okay, so this is the dude that wrote the movie. Wow. Yeah, uh, and these books. So he used these experiences to write the book in the ridge in uh, the bridge over the river Kauai. Yeah. Um, about the n- uh, notorious death railway, which later became an international uh, bestseller and a movie yep. that won seven Oscars. Bridge on the uh, river Kauai. Yep. Yeah. Bridge on the river Kauai. And then, um, yeah, and then the other movie or the book he wrote was Planet of the Apes. Right. And, as you see, they made what like eight movies now. Yeah, I yeah. guess that would be. Yeah, it's like eight movies. Seven, <laughs> seven maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's those are those are the writers. Those are the writers, then, yes, sir. Uh, it's directed by Rupert Wyatt, who is honestly kind of a kind a, of a nobody. A nobody, and, and also it's crazy that he didn't direct Dawn because he did such a great job with Rise. Yeah, yeah. I think he probably wasn't as suited for uh, for action, action, and that's they yeah, wanted yeah. to make it a bigger action film. So what ended up happening is uh, Rupert Wyatt's English. He had worked in documentaries a little bit. He's a producer, writer, director. Um, his first film called The Escapist was from two thousand eight. Critically acclaimed. Uh, it's, I've seen the cover, I think. 
Yeah, it's like a critically acclaimed indie. It has a pretty big cast of sweet 2008. people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Brian Cox is in it. I was working at Blockbuster. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then he did this in 2011. This was his second film. This film was very successful, made a lot of money, and followed up this with The Gambler, the Wahlberg film in 2014, which is actually I've heard is okay. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. I saw it with my family one Christmas. Uh, I like that movie. It's a remake, The Gambler, uh, and it's a remake that like. It was it was trying to be I think like two different kinds of movies at the same time. It feels very different than Rise, and uh, you know I'd recommend watching it, but yeah. not, I didn't think it was like you know incredible or anything like that. Um, but that was 2014, and he hasn't done another movie since. So he directed the pilot for Turn on AMC, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much Rupert Wyatt. So yeah, and then the only other people that we haven't talked about yet are the two producers. Well, there were four producers: um, Rick and Amanda were producers as well, the writers, yep. as we said. But there were Peter Chernin and Dylan Clark. Tell me about them. Yeah, uh, Peter Chernin and Dylan Clark, both guys who really were mostly coming onto the scene with this film. Uh, both of them worked on other films with the similar people. So uh, mm-hmm. Clark is attached to the Batman, which is going to be directed by Matt Reeves, which is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Right. They've both produced the full trilogy of this series um peter churn and dylan clark both also worked on oblivion and then the heat and the heat Two, the comedies so they're it, they're not like massive they're not huge they've done basically this trilogy and a few other pretty big movies it feels like they're like right here they could either go they could either right. go over the edge to a great success or they could fall off i think they'll both be quite successful because i think war is gonna make a lot of money yeah and this is a pretty successful trilogy this is the kind of trilogy <clears throat> that gets you a lot of mileage because the quality is so high for sure for sure um all right, so Critical and Box Office, this movie was very successful. It was uh, produced by Fox. It cost $93 million to make. It was released in August of 2011. I just want to say real quick that Gross Point Blank has been talked about more in the last week between you and me and people online yeah. ever. And I think it's the 20-year anniversary this year. I think it came out in April of 97. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. I don't know why I'm talking about that right now. We're but definitely just... going to do it on the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so this movie opened August 5th, 2011. It grossed $176 million domestically, almost doubling its original budget, an additional $305 million worldwide for a grand total of $481 million, and it made $54 million its opening weekend. It's quite a surprise, honestly. I, when this was being yeah. advertised, I would not have predicted this was going to make almost $500 million in 2011. $500 million in 2011 worldwide is a lot of money. Yeah, it's a lot of money, and, and like the type of movies that were making that money in 2011 were Oscar bait or superhero movies. The right? spike... Yeah, I mean, Oscar bait, not not those kind of totals, because usually Oscar bait... Like, like, like uh, yeah, it's tough, because the Oscar bait, it's like the popular Oscar bait, not right. the ones that actually win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah, I, I think the kind of movies that were making $500 million back then, you had a major spike happening with the big franchise movies. Fast movies. The fast movies started to do really well. Jurassic World, the Star Wars relaunches, you know, the later Harry Potters did really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, 481 was a big total. That definitely turned a lot of heads. Yeah, this franchise is, is so... Interesting. Did you? Did we talk about the AMA question? Did we skip past that? Uh, it's a little later. Okay, it's a little all right, later, my fault. Yeah. Uh, all right, so critically, this movie got a seven point six on IMDb, which feels it feels appropriate. Almost maybe a little low. Yeah, I think, uh, it, I think it's low. It's yeah. a little low, right? I, one thing that we found is eight point two yeah. puts you in the top two hundred and fifty movies of all time. Yeah, so that 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 margin between like seven and a half and eight point two is massive. Right, but I still think this movie could have an eight. 7.8 or an 8 or even just a solid 8 yeah. yeah yeah I think this movie's very good I think I can see where the flaws are I can see where people criticize this movie so I think 7.8 for me is probably about where I would put it but okay. uh, but I think it's very good I think 7.6 is a little low yeah and it's so it's got an 81% by all critics 81% by top and a 77 by audience which makes sense because it is more of a drama driven movie whereas the other Planet of the Apes feel like more action driven yeah uh, and of course, it was nominated for an Oscar in Best Visual Effects yeah. achievement in Best Visual Effects. Excuse right. me. Can always count on our action movies to get at least one Oscar now. That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. So favorite line? Yeah, let's get into favorite line. Um, so it's hard for no not to just be my favorite line. No. It's such a powerful it's line. definitely my favorite line. Is it? And it oh, was 100%. The, as many yeah. times as he said it, yeah. it, was my, it moved on. Like Every my favorite time, line right? was the first time he said yeah. it. And then the next time he said it. <laughs> That's it might, definitely his prove it moment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. might even be the reaction the apes yeah. and the human reactions to it because even in the second one when like Jason Clark's like no he spoke and then Caesar comes in and speaks he gives yeah. like a speech yeah. it's like everyone's faces oh, yeah. can't believe and it and Will's yeah. like what do you mean he goes he spoke yeah, he spoke. He's, he's, that's all he said he spoke. spoke your ape spoke and yeah. I also yeah. love that when he says your ape spoke it's just like that's it Right. No qu- it's just like, yeah. all right, next next scene, let's move on. So, yeah, I, since you kind of said it, that's definitely my favorite line. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I think uh, I kind of like – I, I sort of like when Cox is talking at the beginning, um, uh, you know, when you're going to see them, that you, like, say goodbye, and he looks over and he's like, a couple of weeks, you know, you'll miss him more than he'll miss you. Yeah. And, we're, and you're kind of like – you're kind of like, that's not true. You don't know how smart this ape is, you evil, evil yeah. bastard. Yeah. I also love his line of uh, – I'm sorry, sir. You can't do that. This ape is is now uh, under yeah, you know whatever he jurisdiction. Belong, he's not he's, yours. He's anymore. not yours anymore. You can't do that. And then Cox like let him. Yeah. He's just kind of standing there in the back. Yeah, he's like trying to grab. Him. He's like let him do it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, Cox. Come in when, come in when you're ready. I'll oh, be yeah, eating, I'll be eating my lunch. Take your time. <laughs> Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your favorite line, Marina? Um, the part where he's explaining. Like, I kind of felt like it all came to senses for Caesar when he's in the back seat. And he's like, I got to be honest, you know, like, your mother, oh. I mean, your, um, yeah, was here. And, you know, you were born here and you were a test ape. Yeah. He's and like, you just my... see, like, Caesar, like, looking out the window, like, he was so sheltered into this human life with the sweaters, the pants. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, it almost looks like he just wants to bash his head off the back seat. He's like, this right. is. And he doesn't even say, my like. My life's a lie, almost, moment. And you're kind of like. Yeah. Doesn't he say, uh, what about my dad? And then, or something like that, or he signs something, and then Frank goes, just responds with, well, I'm, I am I'm your, your dad. dad. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a great line. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Those are those lines, like in, yeah. in Superman 2. Right. It's like, of course you're my son. Yeah, right. You know, like, <laughs> God. Yep. Um, yeah, I think that, and then, uh, what else did I have in here? Yeah, he spoke was the other one. That was just like, yeah. You're, it spoke. Like, yeah, your your ape spoke. Yeah. So it's like there's no question it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's crazy. I did think that from the point of view of, of writing, and so one of the things that I think knocks this movie down a little bit is they. So James Franco li- definitely like lives in the space in the movie where he's supposed to sort of be a hero character, but he isn't. He is kind of like sure. a little villainous. Mm-hmm. And at the end, when Franco like goes all the way to the redwoods, and he says to him, "Come back, I'll protect you." The that the way that whole scene broke down was just like very inauthentic to me. Like, like why would Franco even have the gall to say that? It's like you know you, you're not going to be able to protect him. You're out of your mind. Oh, you just, mean at the you mean at the very end? Yeah. Like why would you even say that? Like and then he and then he says I am home and he says okay then go home or whatever. It's like Franco, what are you talking about? You're way too smart to to even act like that. To even know that this is even a possibility. Well, because did you, did you read about how there was a different ending? No. So there's an alternate ending that was filmed and. About two weeks before the release, uh, producers flew Circus and Franco out to film that ending that yeah. you don't like, which oh, makes sense. Because the original ending um, was there was supposed to be more action on the bridge, and something was supposed to happen to where basically Will got out to the woods, and there were still police chasing them, got it. And, and then they were going to shoot at Caesar, and Will was going to step in the line of fire. Got it. And then something was going to happen in that moment, and then. Uh, it was going to end up with Koba picking up a shotgun and learning how to shoot it at the end of the first movie. Oh. So they cut out all that and they put in this ending that you don't really like and it doesn't feel appropriate. 
Right. And that's one thing that's really interesting about Mission Impossible uh, leading females yeah. and this movie is the leading men just kind of disappear at the end of the movies and the leading women disappear at the end of Mission Impossible movies. Huh. You notice that in, yeah. in Mission Impossible films? They all just disappear. They all disappear, yeah. Yeah, and, and same with Jason Clark at the end of Dawn, Franco at the end of this. Because um, with this, you're supposed to just assume he dies from right. the simian flu. Right. You know? For, uh, Franco, you're talking about. Yeah, because he's just not back in the next movie. And everyone that's alive in the next movie are people that are immune. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so that... Did that lead into our question? Yeah, I think it leads into the next question. It's uh, Jacob Leaf. Uh, the question, with the new Apes trilogy considered one of the best reboots ever made, making a huge comeback after the Tim Burton remake, what are some other franchises that would either benefit from a reboot or have benefited the most from a reboot? So, Good I question, mean, Jacob. Yeah, it's a great yeah, question. It's a great question. So my answer to that is that this is, I think, the, 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 this is the franchise that has benefited the most from a reboot, mm-hmm. uh, or, or at least in terms of its perception of being very, very low perceived value. Whereas the Batman franchise still had, I think, a very high perceived value yeah. at the time they rebooted it. So yeah, even because though, what happened was everyone we, they would still talk trash about uh, Forever and Robin, yeah. but everyone still loved the first two. Right. Yeah. This is just an underrated. Yeah, and that I, was actually another one that it was on a list of sequels that surpassed the first. A lot of people thought that Batman uh, Returns was better than Batman, which I think really? is crazy. No, that's crazy. Yeah, that's the first ludicrous. Batman's awesome. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I think I think that that's you know the Dark Knight's the the all time that is the single all time greatest reboot ever yeah. in a trilogy. But also the value of Batman was still pretty high, so I don't think that it's it's like the most significant. I guess. Yeah, you know what you know? I want to see. I want to see a good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Just once. They just can't seem to do it right. They just can't do it. Even with Michael B. Clark and uh, Rooney Mara and Miles Teller. Michael B. Jordan, you mean? Or (laughs) (laughs) Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, you've got these amazing up and comers. They're all great actors, and you still can't make a good movie. Yeah. I want it to happen. I didn't even see that movie because I have heard it is so unwatchably bad. Uh, It's actually hilarious that, like, Sony, because Sony did that, right? Yeah. So like that that the fact that the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and that Fantastic Four movie are like that's like what Sony did that's like that's our superhero universe guys yeah, we did it and then like <laughs> now they're like okay we'll give you a Spider-Man movie yeah you can have you, it you can have just it just give and, us some money please yeah right like they're like I guess we can't all just do this I'll be honest man I think the Jurassic World shouldn't have happened yeah me too me too yep totally feel that way do you have any reboots or any movies that you wish that you you watched growing up you wish would come back. I almost wish the Hobbit movies didn't happen, but they're yeah. not bad. I just love Lord of the Rings so they're just, much. They're fine. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No. I don't know. I don't think so. I'm pretty content with all the movies growing up. Yeah. But think... I'm really excited to to hear about you know your opinion on this re- reboot, and this is my first time watching it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so excited to watch. Like, I'm going to go home today and watch Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, it's so good. And seeing what everyone had to say about it online, like, that that was the best. But yeah. We'll see. Yeah. I'm, I'm so curious about war i would have said i would have said that kiss like the casino royale reboot of the bond franchise was the best was one of the best ever except that they just they just tanked it so hard they just got worse and worse and worse i think we're a little more harsh on those movies than most are i think like a lot of people think quantum is whatever and that skyfall is great yeah people like skyfall and and casino yeah yeah and Quantum's so, okay. But, I mean, Daniel Craig's a really good Bond. I honestly think he might be my favorite Bond. Yeah. He's, he's, he's great. Um, oh, we have a release date of July 14th for the war movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to do that in for two that weeks on the show. I'm trying to think. Or, no, we'll be doing it next week. Because, yeah. Is it next week or Baby Driver's first? Oh, yeah. Baby Driver, then war. Yeah, Excuse yeah, me. yeah. yeah. Um, no, that was our pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yep, there's our pitch. Baby Driver. That's Who's my, excited? Uh, that's my first time doing this show. Uh... <laughs> 
I think okay. that's it for reboots and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. I think so. Jacob, thanks for the question, man. Yeah, Always good. To There's hear a lot of really say. excellent questions online. I hope that we addressed. I think we addressed a good amount of them throughout the episode without specifically addressing yeah, them. Yeah, definitely. And you guys can go. Uh, you can find those questions and submit others for future episodes on the Facebook fan page, which is growing. Um, and also, guys, just as a quick uh, shout out because I know you're on there, um, Eddie from Bigger Boat Movies. I'm going to be doing a, a quick interview on his channel on Anchor, Anchor.fm, which is like podcast meets Twitter. It's an awesome app. I'm on as well uh, tomorrow. That'll that'll air. So go check that out check out his station just download the app mm-hmm. yep. um, so the last thing we're going to talk about here are which of the three action movie categories this movie fits into totally legitimate totally ridiculous or ridiculously legitimate totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air and Face Off and, and uh, Demolition Man Demolition Man yeah. they're very silly uh, they're laughable the whole way through even though they're a lot of fun uh, totally legitimate movies are going to be like Lone Survivor and Terminator 2 the Fugitive Fugitive yeah movies that really hold together they don't make you laugh unintentionally they stand the test of time yeah and then uh, ridiculously legitimate is sort of the middle category where there are definitely some moments where you chuckle you know they definitely uh, <laughs> they take some liberties and mm-hmm. sometimes it's intentional sometimes it's not but they're held together by at least one really really strong core element whether it's a performance or a story general hummel a character arc or something and for me this movie is totally legitimate I, yeah. I don't it doesn't really try to be anything else and they do it does a great job at it yeah exactly I think it I think it does I think it executes everything that it wants to um, yeah I think it, I think it's great yeah Marina? I agree. Totally yeah. legit. I do. Yeah, I don't think it's really much of a discussion. Yeah. I know yesterday or last week we were yeah. battling kind of between the totally ridiculous and everyone was chiming in totally ridiculous, totally ridiculous. Oh, and at really? first yeah, I right. was like, wait, what? What do they think we're saying? That's totally ridiculous. Yeah. But they're talking about. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Like, no, no. The show's we're falling making apart. Sense. Yeah, yeah, I literally thought it was like it bef- between my eyes. I'm like, no, 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 no. Go back, go back. Well, you kept yeah. it together. You kept your cool on the couch pretty well. Yeah, I no, no I, I. You were panicking. I was like, I literally in my heart, I'm like. No, no, no! Please stay with us. Stay with us. Like the views. <laughs> and you so, and I ended up going totally. You were totally ridiculous from the beginning. I was ridiculously legitimate and got swayed by a fan. Yeah, right. And you were you stuck in the middle category, right? I yeah. Did. And yeah. then this week, I think, like we said, it's unanimously totally yeah, legit. Totally legit. So, guys, there's only one thing left on the show, and that's going to be called <laughs> the pitch. And uh, we actually that was really know, in sync. That was yeah. the best I think you guys. Have done. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I'll <laughs> and take then it. Uh, you know Andrew already you know pitched the movie. You're fired. <laughs> I need my uh, pen. We're doing Baby Driver, Edgar yes. Wright's movie. Very excited for this movie. Really looking forward to this one. I I've literally heard from every single person that watched this that yeah. it is fucking amazing. They all use that adjective to describe it. I stood in line next to Edgar Wright for ten minutes waiting for a whiskey at the uh, the Big Sick premiere about two weeks ago, uh-huh. and um, I knew it was him because I, I just recognized his picture. He was on the tip sheet, but he didn't do interviews, and. You know, he loves Point Break because oh, of yeah. Hot Fuzz. And I know this about him. I've never met him, never gotten to interview him. The whole time, I was like trying to think, I was like, is there some way that I can not be the annoying guy at the premiere who knows who you are but didn't interview you and right. bring up Point Break without just, like, fanboying? And in the end, I was just like, don't do it. Yeah, it's tough. Just don't do it. Wait for another opportunity. I'll just, I'll talk to you about Point Break. And I want to just be like, Point Break's also Point my Break's favorite Point Break's my favorite movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, are we best friends? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I stayed away from it. I just, uh quietly waited and watched we get a message Um, from Edgar Wright that story's not true he harassed me for hours (laughs) Uh, All right, guys that's gonna wrap it up for the show today thanks for watching thanks for listening uh, as it is you know officially now Wednesday even though we recorded this the previous week Um, find us online yeah 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 you can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter you can find our podcast at AMA Podcast and Twitter and please please join our Facebook fan page uh, on Facebook it's just called Action Movie Anatomy Fan Page we interact a lot on there yeah, you guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media on Twitter or Instagram. And, of course, our Genesis Lab Tech, Marina Verano. Thank you. Of course. Womaning the couch. Yep. Uh, Marina underscore Verano on Twitter and Instagram. And, yeah, as Andrew said, definitely um, 
go on the podcast uh, AMA fan page. I definitely interact with all you guys on there. So yeah. we're going to be uh, as we do this show, de- definitely trying to give Marina movies to watch that are like the essential viewing. There's a lot of movies, guys, but oh, if yeah. you think there's a movie that Marina has to see for the show, like it, she needs to tweet at her and let her know, <laughs> yeah, uh, because that's I think we're going to be all working collectively on what the most important movies are, or even an episode that you think completely embodies Ben and I in this show, like perfectly in an episode. We were trying to give her an idea of like some to watch yesterday, and a couple popped up. But if you guys have any, again. Let us know, Twitter or on Facebook. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.